Woo-wee! That intro is something else. I love it. I love it. I love it. What is up, y'all? Welcome to another edition of the Round Ball Ramble Podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter or X at CorbinNBA, C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, so check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos online sportsethos.com if you didn't know how to spell it s-p-o-r-t-s-e-t-h-o-s a lot of draft information draft guides anything you really need to get ahead this fantasy basketball season sports ethos got it and they also have some really dope basketball content such as this podcast from yours truly so really really pumped to share them definitely make sure to check them out as well y'all we are here it is Tuesday, October 24th, and it is NBA opening day, night, whatever you call it. It's that time. It's that time, and I'm so excited. I've been waiting for a while. It felt like such a long offseason. Um, <clears throat> personal note, I moved different states. That was a lot. Getting adjusted. I'm in Colorado now, and it's Nuggets country, and I'm a Lakers fan. So opening that's going to be fun for me. Like, I have my custom Lakers shoes. I got my Lakers shirt. Like, we about to represent go to war. Um, I feel like I'm suiting up for the game, even though I'm not. But isn't that what kind of fandom is? So very much excited for that. But that move happened. It definitely changed a lot. Um, you know, love the job opportunity I have here, but you miss your family. You miss your friends. Definitely a different environment. And my podcasting kind of suffered, too, because I had to get new tech. And then once I got that together, it was really getting a consistent schedule. And then once I started doing that, it was fighting feelings of loneliness and all the sad, nitty-gritty stuff that I will spare y'all. Um, but we are here. And we're determined to go, I won't say daily, I'm going to say three times a week. If it comes happen, if it happens daily, it's going to happen daily, right? And then you're just going to get extra Corbin. It's going to be great. But if it doesn't, at least it's going to be three times a week. And we're going to try to stay on that all season long. So keep me in your thoughts. Let's make that happen. I, I really want to get after this and be consistent for y'all and myself. All right. Well. With that preamble out of the way, it is time to get into the news. And we have a little bit of news because, yes, today is opening night. So all the storylines, all the excitement is coming up there. But yesterday was the deadline for NBA rookie extensions for the 2020 class. Um, And so ultimately, of the 30 players picked in the first round in 2020, half of them, or just under half, 14 of them managed to get extensions ahead of their deadline. Um... Uh, four of the remaining 16 didn't manage to make it through their rookie deals, so that's the thing. And the remaining 12 are going to become restricted free agents this next July. So as far as who got signed, some of this starts obviously in the offseason, um, but LaMelo Ball had a five-year maximum salary. The final figure will fall between $217 million and $260 million, depending on whether or not he wins um, the Rose Rule eligibility by making an all-NBA team, winning MVP, or winning Defensive Player of the Year this season. I... Feel like two out of those three possibilities are a actual possibility. Anthony Edwards, <clears throat> excuse me, had a, another um, a similar contract, five years maximum salary, same thing between two seventeen two sixty, same thing in terms of Rose Rule eligibility um, by either All NBA MVP or Defensive Player of the Year. And then while we're keeping that along, these are kind of the no brainers. Uh, last one for that category was Tyrese Halliburton. Five years max, same thing as Ball and Edwards in terms of eligibility and the final figure. All right, so these folks right here, well, just this one kind of falls just below that. That's Desmond Bain. He got five years, $197 million. 
Uh, Devin Bassell got five years, $135 million. Jaden McDaniels, five years, $131 million. Onyeka Okongwu got a contract that was surprisingly low for me. Four years, $62 million, which is funny because I could see him being the starting center for the Hawks, and I could argue that he should be. Um, but he only got $2 million more than Isaiah Stewart, who got four years and $60 million. While he is a solid player, um, he's just like a solid like role player in my mind. I don't necessarily see starter long term. I mean, he can start, but my my idea of Isaiah Stewart might be a little lower than a consensus. Denny Avdija. Four years, $55 million. I talked about that on the Sports Ethos Washington Wizards podcast. Not really a big fan of his offensive game. I love his defensive potential. But he shot under 30% from three last season. And for his career, he's a 31% three-point shooter. Um, I just don't really think offensively, like, somebody that that's a non-entity in that way is as impactful as someone on the opposite of that. Not saying that it's not good to play defense. I'm just... Like, I wish he had some more offensive game. Now, with that being said, he's still just 22, and 13.75 mil a year is fair value for a rotation player. And so it looks a lot better if he can shoot the ball at even average level. And if not, guess what? It's more than a movable deal, and it might even reap more value for Washington if it's attached with the contract of either Tyus Jones or DeLon Wright. Both guys heading into the last year of the deals that I think would reap some value um, for the Wizards and also give... You know, a playoff contending team, a team that just needs a little extra boost for their bench uh, somewhere around, you know, February, uh, a nice little boom there. So it, it could work either way. Like, I'm not mad at the deal. I just really want Denny's offensive game to kind of catch up a little bit so he could do more. I feel like with his size, with the ability to kind of play on the ball a little bit, when he obviously can't shoot, like if he can shoot a little bit, then there's some there. Okay, that's enough for Denny. Uh, Josh Green, three years, 41 million, like that deal. Cole Anthony, three years, 39 million. Also not bad. He seems to have found his role as a scoring six-man, so we'll see how that looks moving forward. Aaron Naismith, three years, $33 million. I love that deal. He, I like him as a player. I'm happy he's found a home in Indiana, and he shot the blood off the ball from three last season. I see no reason why he can't do that again. So we'll, we'll kind of see what's going on. But 10 points, 3.8 rebounds, 1.3 assists, like an actual solid forward to Indiana. You know, seeing if he can find a spot alongside, you know, Miles Turner, Obi Toppin, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, and, of course, you know, well, I was going to say, of course, Bruce Brown, but um, they have a lot of guys. Benedict Matherin is the guy I was really meaning, though. Um, and then two other interesting guys. Um, I didn't see this coming, but Zeke Naji uh, with the Denver Nuggets got four years, $30 million, which is solid. It's surprising, especially with the player option at the end of that 2027-2028 season. But he's locked in at a reasonable contract over the next four seasons. Um, he's played in some playoff games with the Nuggets, just not a whole lot. I think the Nuggets have certainly played it slow. He, you know, has, he ranks 32nd in his draft class in career regular season minutes played. So, like, not great. But at 22 years old, one of the youngest players in the Nuggets rotation, he has a way to go, but he's 6'9", has a strong frame, a really good switch defender. Um, played well in the in the preseason. He averaged 9.2 points, 4.8 rebounds, 2.0 um, stocks, obviously steals and blocks, and was pretty productive from the free throw line. Now, I think the really important thing is that he is one of Denver's only true backup bigs in the rotation because, remember, Jeff Green dipped out to Houston for bigger money. DeAndre Jordan's also available, but let's be real. At his age and stage of his career, he kind of limits what Denver can do on both ends of the floor. And with Najee, you can do a little bit more and bank on some continued growth and development from him. So we'll see. But also, another angle here. Financially, the new CBA limits financial flexibility for teams that pay the most amount of money. So with Jokic... Possibly Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. under contract. The Nuggets have very few ways to get better. And that includes, of course, free agency. So the two best ways they can do that is to, you know, work in the margins. 
If they want to stay elite or get better from that, it's the draft and it's the trade market. And they've already pinpointed areas in the draft where they can improve, um, depending on how you feel about Julian Strother, Jalen Pinkett, Hunter Tyson. Like, that was born out of that strategy. But, you know, the trade market's another one. And Najee, you can theoretically take his $8 million, add it to someone else, let's say Reggie Jackson at 5, and you could bank on the potential of Najee for another team and add a contract of Jackson to see if you can get a better player to continue to improve your roster, your rotation, all of that. So I think it's a really smart um, way to go about it. We will see what he looks like for Denver. I don't really have a major opinion. He just hasn't played a whole lot. I'm admittedly, I haven't seen a whole lot of Najee. When I have, he's been okay, but I'm not like, yeah, sign that guy. With that being said, like I said, the reasoning there is, is sound, and we'll see what comes out of that. All right, going back, continuing. Who is uh, one more person who is um, staying? I probably mentioned, but Peyton Pritchard, who actually has had a really good preseason. I think he's going to have a breakout year this year with Boston. Four years, $30 million, Really solid for him. Hopefully, there's a bigger role in his future in Boston. All right. The four players who did not make it through their rookie deals. That was Jalen Smith, Leandro Bomero, RJ Hampton, Yudoka Azubuki. Now, some of those guys are still around in the NBA. Um, so, we'll, I mean, we'll see kind of how that works out for them moving forward. But, like, they, they didn't make it through the rookie deals. Like, that was just a, a sunk cost there. Now, the remaining 12 picked in the first round that will be going into restricted free agency. We are reading this in the order of how they were drafted. James Wiseman drafted number two overall. Yikes. He will be a restricted free agent in July. Patrick Williams drafted number four. He will be a restricted free agent in July. Which I'm not going to keep doing that. Isaac Horo drafted number fifth. Killian Hayes, number seven. Obi Toppin, number eight. Kira Lewis Jr., number 13. Alexei Pokashevsky, number 17. Sadiq Bey, number 19. Precious Achua, number 20. Tyrese Maxey, kind of surprising, but I get Philadelphia wanting to preserve their financial flexibility moving forward, um, and he'll probably be back. Number 21, Emmanuel Quickly, number 25. And Malachi Flynn, number 29. So we will see. Um, I definitely think... My takeaway from this, like, extension, I've been kind of going up for sure. Just financially, it makes more sense for certain teams. But, geez, this was a lot, in my opinion. Um, and I really think it should have been 15 because Philadelphia almost certainly should have. And they will extend Tyrese, but they're trying to play this kind of clever game. But we'll see how they do it for cap manipulation because cap hold, not that much. They want to go and really go for a big fish in free agency next season and then extend um, Maxi. That's something they can do. The problem is free agency has been kind of... Kind of iffy last couple of years. So we'll see what that does for Philadelphia. But he'll probably be back. But the point being, I think that it's it's interesting to see um, how these teams move forward. And I think that it shows a sign of adapting to the market. Because teams now would prefer to extend their players and then trade them later. Rather than carry cash space in the offseason where there's either a thin free agency market or a bad free agency market. And so I think we see teams kind of reacting to that. And that's interesting i think that there are some larger takeaways that maybe a future show i can explore um once i do the research and actually find those because i mean again these are trends and i think that they're really cool to kind of see how they happen from a roster building team construction perspective and just our own fan interest moving forward so that's fun okay moving right along um in other news slowly but surely over the course of yesterday we had nba team jerseys leaked and I'm not going to lie. They all trash. I mean, most of them. Most of them are trash. I really think that the NBA should adopt something similar to what um, NFL does, where you get, like, a whole new set of jerseys, or you can make additions, like, every five years or something. Because right now, like, this ain't it. 
this just really isn't working. Um, I don't understand why every team needs a different jersey every year. One, it's hard to build continuity. I get it. You want to get jersey sales and everything. But, like, it would help if they weren't trash. And, like, they are trash. <laughs> um, I was just looking at some of these now, and I'm trying to find the list I had of all of them because I want to kind of want to go into whether I liked one or the other or not for each one. But, like, when I say these are, are pretty bad, I, I – I kid you not, y'all. Like, I don't get it. So here we go. So looking at all these jerseys here, um, I'll tell you right now, Atlanta's jersey, no. Like, it's in Times New Roman. Like, what are we doing? It's just like a simple black with the ATL all lowercase and the five, like, on the upper right-hand side underneath the ATL. It just looks bad. Boston's another mix of the whole, I don't know, white and green, but a different way. I'm not mad at that. Brooklyn's, they've gotten this weird kind of graffiti type deal these different colors kind of patched together it looks wacky it looks like a kid's version of the brooklyn nets i'm not a fan of that um charlotte's listen charlotte's on its own kind of clean like the light blue the green the white the problem is it goes back into like the interesting yet messy new orleans hornets years of basically 2001 to like or 2002 to like 2006 um and i think that that kind of takes away from it i get it they're trying to blend the two together but I don't like that. Like, I think that that special Hornets team, you had Jamal Mashburn and P.J. Brown and, you know, David West. Like, those, that, that's his own kind of team. Like, I don't know. It's a variant of that. It's just mixing the two with the classic Buzz City on it. Chicago. Why? Is black. Chicago spelled vertically on the left side with just the number on the right side. Not a fan. The land, Cleveland. Looks okay. Some variation of the wine and gold. Um, could be better, could be worse. Dallas is also not mad at that. Um, black with blue numbers for the jersey and then the mass font. Um, the Nuggets, what in the world is the Nuggets? It's like a m variation of one of their city uniforms already, but instead it has 5280 across the bottom half, like under a picture of the mountains with the number over that. Like, it makes zero sense to me. Detroit's, no. Don't like it. Black, weird, not a lot of color going on. Not sure what that means. San Francisco's is fine. Again, another variation of their city uniforms. It's okay. Houston's, I guess, H-Town with a number underneath it, white and red. Sure. Indiana's is funky. It's weird. There's like some neon yellow going on. I don't know. The Clippers, it's boring. Um, and yeah, they've. They, I feel like their jerseys have gotten less color, which has made it cooler or whatever, but like, this is just kind of lame in my mind. Los Angeles is, listen, I like the black inclusion more in the purple and gold, but they have Los Angeles building up to, like, a triangle. Like, literally, loss goes loss or loss goes up. Angeles takes the top and slopes down. And you have the number in the middle and then the Lakers underneath. No. Like, what are we doing? Nike's just ruining these. Memphis would be okay if Memphis wasn't, like, spelled out M-E-M -E in a form of, like, blocks. Like, just blocks. It just looks weird. Like, I, I don't get where that's coming from. Um, Miami Heat has heat culture. Come on now. Come on now. That's, like, something we say on Twitter or, or Facebook or something that's used in, like, pot. Like, that's not something you just wear on your jersey. Whatever. I don't like it. Culture stands out. The heat is the classic font. Culture is just big and white, bigger than the heat the heat um, logo. And then the number is there. Whatever. Um, Milwaukee, sure. They kind of mess around with that cream, blue white green scheme okay um minnesota's is fine i guess white blue on the bottom minnesota across it um new orleans 
it's like I guess they're trying to play more to their I don't know the city I guess um, but it's like black with green and some like Nola spelled out there's some skeleton stuff going it's it's pretty interesting um, New York is fine like I'm actually not mad at it, it kind of reminds me of those like 99 2000 2001 2002 uniforms um, so that's something Oklahoma City's not bad either is different, but Oklahoma City changes their uniforms like every year. Orlando, I'm actually not mad at either. A variation of their classic, I guess, 2010-ish uniforms. Um, definitely a little darker, but that's not bad. Philadelphia City, brotherly love on theirs, and a zero on the side. Again, just like Miami Heat culture. Why? The Suns took the Valley, dropped the Y. Same color scheme. Okay, sure. Um, no, not okay, sure. I don't like it. Rip City is on Portland's. Okay. Sacramento went back to like the old school, like, not even the Rochester Kings, but, like, the um, Kansas City King kind of uniform vibe, I mean, I guess, um, Kings, again, spelled vertically on the left-hand side um, with the white backdrop, um, and then the other side is just all blue with the number on it, sure, San Antonio, plain, boring, just a San Antonio, white and orange, basically, not sure why, Toronto is a play on, like, their gold theme, I guess, so, sure, Utah is a throwback to the 1990s uniforms, like the late 1990s. And my response to that is, why not just wear the late 1990s uniforms again? Like, it didn't need a twist. It's the same kind of uniform. Um, and then Washington's is just god-awful. Like, what are we doing? It's called District of Washington, 33. It's more of the San Antonio Spurs color scheme, which is weird, but it doesn't make sense. Like, I just don't understand it. Like, it sucks. It sucks. So many of these are confusing. I probably like three of these. Nike just ruined these jerseys. Like... It's just gone bad. I'm not sure what happened. Like, this was made on canvas light or something. They just get worse and worse every year. I just don't understand why. Easily the worst set of city editions in years. The next one's fine. I'm not mad at the next ones. I will say that. I'm not mad at Oklahoma City's. I'm not mad at Orlando's. I'm not mad at Minnesota's. I'm not, like, pumped for any of these, but I'm not mad at those. Um, they're not as egregious as, I don't know, Denver's or Atlanta's, or Chicago's, because those are just like, what's going on, or Lord have mercy, Washington, I, again, I don't get it, and heat culture on a jersey, like, come on, come on, so, yeah, I definitely feel like, uh, you know, Deion Waiters had a quote saying, you know, I'd rather go 0 for 30 than 0 for 9, because you go 0 for 9, that means you stop shooting, that means you lost confidence, um, Nike definitely took Deion Waiters' advice, they said, let's go 0 for 30, let's do it, I'm here for it, I mean, I'm not here for it, but they were there for it, so that's my takeaway from that. Pretty bad. Um, let me know what y'all think. I will. No, I'm not. I'm not even gonna share the link in it. It's just kind of. It's just kind of bad. I, I don't understand that. Um, other news. Speaking of Nike and NBA players, they signed 13 NBA rookies to shoe deals. So the full class involves Victor Wembanyama from the Spurs, Brandon Miller from the Hornets, a man and Asor Thompson from the Rockets and Pistons respectively, Anthony Black from the Magic, Kobe Brown from the late from the Clippers, excuse me. Wow. Bilal Koulibaly from the Washington Wizards, Keontae George from the Jazz, Jordan Hawkins from the Pelicans, that's interesting. Derek Lively from the Mavericks, Olivier Maxens Prosper from the Mavericks, mm. Julian Strother from the Nuggets and Kaysen Wallace for the Thunder. So Nike's sort of taking care of business, but um they're also not when it comes to the city uniform. So we will see how that works. Um, one more thing I guess I was definitely interested in bringing up was something that, um, I don't want to say NBA legend, but I mean, he was an NBA player who played for a decade plus um, number one pick in the 2000 NBA draft, which in my mind is one of the worst drafts in NBA history next to like 2013 and maybe a few others. But anyway, Kenyon Martin, um, 
he's made some waves. He went out a couple days ago and basically asked, I'm trying to even figure out how to say this. Um, because it's interesting. It's like he was talking about how players, how people who didn't make their high school basketball team know so much about basketball. And he's asking for a friend. Um, Listen, I am actually torn on that because, like, I love basketball. I love playing basketball. For the record, um, I will say this because, you know, they're, 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 they're moving up in the world. They're getting some, they've already had some players from their ranks make the NBA. Um, I went and watched them at the Hoopal Classic last year, and they were a big-time kind of presence there, and I was impressed. Um, but AZ Cup is prep. I, I played there in high school, and I, I, will, I will say, for the Charter Athletic League, like, I was the first all-star. To come from AZ Compass. Like, not Toot own Horn, but, like, Toot Toot. Like, that that was me. Now, I'm not as good as half these cats that play there now. No. But the point being, it has to start somewhere. I am an AZ Compass legend. I think it's okay for me to say it. AZ Compass prep legend, they know me. Okay? They know me. Okay? Put them on the map. Sort of. Not really. But we were there. Point being, like, I did play high school basketball, so that's one thing. Um, I still play basketball now. In fact, by the time y'all listen to this, well, y'all listen to this right now. But, like, tomorrow morning, I have a basketball league that plays 530 in the morning on Wednesdays. I'm going to go, I'm going to go pl- get up at 4.45, be at the gym, be playing till like 7, 7.30, go home, change, dressed, work by 8.30. Like, this is the life we live, all is life, right? But with that being said, I think that if you are to have that stance like Kenyon Martin does, you're taking away from those who maybe can play. And, and when I say can play, don't have the physical, like, athletic gifts, but they know how to think the game. They know how to acquire talent. They know how to strategize. Like, they know how to make these things happen and contribute in a different way. I don't think it's exclusive to playing the game to knowing it. I mean, look at what Magic Johnson did as a coach of the Lakers. Look at what Magic Johnson did as an executive for the Lakers. Look at what Michael Jordan did as an executive of the Bobcats and then the Hornets. Like, NBA players, I'm sorry, the track rate of them being, like, very, very good executives, coaches, et cetera, are not very high. The ones who have gotten there, like, were never really great NBA players. And the ones who are great NBA players haven't found success outside of playing in the NBA. Like, there's levels to it, and there's differences as well. Same reason why you have NBA players, I'm about to call out Kenyon Martin here, who play in the NBA but have no way of knowing what it takes to engage an audience, to give coherent takes, to teach the game to others. It's not something everyone has. Kenyon Martin, actually, for the record, not even two days ago, said that Luka isn't even the best player on the Mavericks. Real basketball people know that Kyrie is. No. No, they don't. Kyrie's a very good player. Kyrie is a very good player. But Luka is easily the best player in the Mavericks. I'd say Luka's an A and Kyrie's a B. You could even say Luka's a 1A and Kyrie's a 1B. But what real basketball people is Kenyon Martin referring to? Because that's just not the case. No. It's not. Do you see what Luka Doncic does? Kyrie has had an illustrious career. But come on now. Come on now. Like that right there already knocks a little bit of your credibility there. I'm just saying. And maybe he said that to, you know, in response to the backlash that he got from saying that Luka isn't the best player of the Mavericks. Maybe he did. Maybe he's a little defensive. And I'm willing to give him that. I'm willing to give him that. But with that being said, no. No. That makes zero sense. And so everyone brings different skills and talents to the game. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. They do. I think for the most part, everyone can contribute. 
And those are my thoughts on it. I, I, I'm just because I'm not an NBA player, like I can't talk about NBA. Like I don't have to be a, a pilot to know that you know if a plane is falling while I'm in the air, um, someone's not doing their job right. I don't have to be a chef to know that if I'm eating some food and it's nasty, that someone don't know how to cook. Like there's certain things you don't have to know. Like it's just one of those things. Um, when it comes to basketball, I'm not saying that it is because a lot of people talk basketball and they really have no idea what they're talking about. That's a very real thing. But, but a lot of people do. And no, you haven't seen their NBA highlights. And no, you haven't seen their college highlights. But, like, they know the game. And it shows by the work that they put out. So let their actions speak for people. That's what I say. Okay? But that that's my thoughts on that. I just had to speak on that because, one, I had to promote myself for AZ Compass. Remember your boy. Holla at me. Um, But also, like, come on now. Let's not be ignorant. Okay? Let's not be ignorant. Takes a village. Okay, I'm done with the euphemisms. All right. Moving right along. We're going to look into tonight. We got some games. We got some games. 7.30 Eastern on TNT. Lakers play the Nuggets. Before the season can officially begin, you know the champion has to raise their banner, and the Nuggets get to raise their first ever championship banner and get their rings prior to tip-off, okay? That's one thing exciting. The second thing is a rematch. Nuggets eliminated the Lakers. We don't really got to talk about that. I know. It was a sweep, but it was the closest margin, average margin of victory in the Nuggets run, and that stands for not a whole lot. But it's something I want to point out. Jamal Murray played really well, became the first player ever to average 30-plus points on 50-40-90 shooting in a conference final series. While Nicole Jokic became the fourth to average a triple-double, joining Jason Kidd, Magic Johnson, and Wilt Chamberlain. Um, and so we'll kind of see how that goes because it's going to be a very fun clash. The Lakers have, in my opinion, not been yapping a whole lot this offseason. I definitely feel like the Nuggets were yapping in the immediate aftermath of the conference finals, and I am ready. I got my custom Laker Vans on. I'm on my Laker shirt, some nice classic blue jeans. I got some friends I'm going to be meeting up with, like, we about to hunker down and enjoy. And if the Lakers win, you can't tell me nothing. If the Lakers lose, I have to leave because I have a podcast to record. <laughs> That's my thoughts. Um, then at 10 Eastern, the Suns versus the Warriors. So another fun one. The NBA knows where their bread is buttered when it comes to putting eyes on the screen. And how so? NBA GMs picked the Nuggets as the top team in the West. The Lakers came in third. Those two are matching against each other. And the second and fourth teams were the Suns and Warriors in that order. And both are matching up with each other. And we have a lot of new faces. CP3 comes to Golden's, um, comes to Phoenix after playing, or he plays Phoenix, rather, after playing his first three seasons for the Suns. He plays in Phoenix as a Warrior. Meanwhile, Durant will play at the Chase Center with fans in attendance for the first time since he left Golden State back in 2019. Whether injuries or COVID, whatever the case may be, it hasn't happened in four years, which is wild. Then you have guys like Bradley Beal, who will not be playing, funnily enough. Um, back tightness, Sunder, you know, trying to keep him, you know, under wraps and just monitor him. I think they're just saving him for the Lakers on Thursday, but either way, that's what they're doing. Um, so that's the thing that's going to happen. And then um, you have, of course, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, uh, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. I definitely think that Chris Paul will come off the bench for the first time in his NBA career outside of an NBA All-Star game. That'll be interesting. He did it for the first time in his life um, in a preseason win over the Kings where he averaged 13, uh, 13 points, 9 assists, and 6 rebounds in 30 minutes. Like, he's going to get some run. And I actually like him in the second unit, but it'll be interesting to see, like, this is his first time, like, actually coming off the bench. So we will see. Um, but that is something that'll be interesting to kind of monitor. Um, but with that, those are the two games that are going to happen tonight and i am pumped and we will look into all the games that will be happening tomorrow because there will be a ton um but tonight those are the biggest things seven eastern Denver nuggets ring ceremony then they raise their banner and then they get after it 
It's NBA season, y'all. I'm pumped. I'm excited. Um, I just want to say thank y'all again for, for rocking with me here. And thank you in advance for rocking with me all season long because that's how long we're going to be doing this. It's going to be great. I am really, really pumped, y'all. Like, I've been waiting all this time for this. You know what I mean? Like, let's go. Let's go. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA, C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A, Instagram too, C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A. Follow Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos, S-P-O-R-T-S-E-T-H-O-S. <laughs> um, online SportsEthos.com. Listen, y'all, check out my work. I appreciate y'all doing that. Appreciate y'all talking hoops with me. I'm trying to go live once a week. Um, as well, so I will have the links and everything there. Um, so come on and chat and let's talk basketball, share the hot takes, share all of it. Like, we doing this. It's going to be fun. Looking forward to it. But this has been another great episode of Ramble Ramble. And for myself, I'm Frosty. Y'all stay frosty and I will talk to y'all real, real soon. All right, y'all.